it's Vanessa Menchaca, and I'm here with my husband, Gabo. Hey, everybody. Gabriel. And today's podcast is going to be about expectations in marriage or in relationships in general. Yeah. Yeah, so. relationships, managing expectations. So <clears throat> last week, we did the dating in the church Q&A, and we're going to return to that, um, I think, just every now and then because it's such a huge topic and I think there's there's just so many questions that uh, you, it's not just one podcast and on top of that things do change like there's other areas to address but um, moving forward what we want to do is kind of do a set of podcasts specifically surrounding the idea of relationships which also are a is a big subject and very broad but I think one of the biggest things for us is you know we are huge advocates for Premarital counseling, right? Absolutely. So premarital counseling is, for those that don't know, is basically you you go and you kind of talk through some of the, the things with like a counselor or a pastor or, um, you know, even like just a mentor or somebody who's already married, older than you, been through a little bit, you know, been further down the road than you. And you talk through some of the things that you're expecting or thinking about marriage and it's just a great way to, I think, really readjust your position. Yeah, to be a little bit more realistic on what you should be expecting from yourself and from your soon-to-be spouse. And so with that being said, I think like it's not just the idea of marriage and when you're managing expectations. So specifically, managing expectations can go into a few different areas. Number one, like even in a, um, a work relationship with you know you as... An employee and the employer, you have to manage your expectation. Uh, even in the church setting, with uh, someone who attends a church and the pastor, so the pastor may not know that they're expected to do something. That you know somebody comes in and they expect the pastor to go to their house every Monday and have dinner and pray over their family. And when that doesn't happen, the the congregant or church member is you know, disappointed or, you know, whatever the situation would be. And that's an extreme case. But what I'm, I'm trying to point out here is there's managing expectations, uh, learning about that in all of our relationships. But specifically today, it's more in the area of like you're dating or you're planning on getting married. Um, expectations in the area of like the romantic relationships, managing those. So first kind of topic would be this. Where do expectations come from go babe <laughs> uh, my expectations came from what i saw in my home mm -hmm. so like my parents our aunts and uncles also i mean as a christian my expectations were also somewhat biblical because i did expect gabriel to honor me and love me and you know treat me well respect me and of course vice versa so yeah uh, expectations come from different areas. One of the biggest influences is definitely our home. So what we see growing up. Mm -hmm. And the reason that that is, is because, you know, we absorb our surroundings. Uh, some would say we're products of our surroundings. I think we just, we're able to understand things through that lens, but we're not necessarily forced to reflect those. So 
expectations can come from many sources, uh, parents, uh, values, what you value, your uh, just society in general, the movies you watch, the, the things you listen to, books, speakers, um, even your own ideas, like how you can maybe construct it from a place of like you saw a movie or read a book and then you felt like, like, oh, yeah, that's what marriage should be. So in managing expectations, I think there's a realistic perspective that you have to have. Number one would be this. Uh, I would say for anybody in a relationship, and this, this, like I said, can be into different areas. Any relationship, you have to understand you are not perfect and the other person isn't perfect. Right, babe? Yeah, that's true. So in, in that alone, if I expect... Vanessa, if I expect you to be perfect, uh, is that realistic? No. <laughs> no. So, and then in the same way, though, uh, it would be unfair for me to expect that from Vanessa, but it would also be unfair for her to expect it from me. So managing expectation is based in reality, not in, I guess, like the fairy tale or the... Or basing it off other marriages you've seen. Yeah, because I think a lot of times, especially when you're in church, you really do look up your past, look up to your pastors, and their marriage is not going to be like your marriage. Your marriage may not exactly be like them. So I think sometimes you see the way they interact with each other, and you're like, "Oh, that's what I want in a marriage. That's what I want in a spouse." But the truth is, um, comparing you know your relationship or what you want to another couple is. There are some good things about it, but at the same time, I think that kind of takes away the reality of who you are, what you're meant to be, what your life is going to look like. And it can be disappointing when you're, you know, your relationship doesn't exactly reflect your leadership. I think that's, that's one of the things like it's, it's healthy to observe other relationships and, you know, view the strengths and weaknesses and how they work through them and some of the issues. But it's also um, something to be aware of that you don't compare because we are all different and our relationships are different. Yeah, and then only that, I think you're, you know, as, you, as you're as you being married and going on with your life and life changes come and go, your expectations change also from what was the beginning expectations and then kind of like maybe when you start a family and then when you have kids and they get older. I mean, I think it's like you have to be able to flow because your expectations will change and sometimes you don't realize that they change. So like with pregnancy, sometimes, you know, you expect a little bit more from your spouse or you expect a little bit less. And in, the, in those cases, like it can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. But for the most part, being realistic about your expectations changing is another part of that. And I think like uh, one, of the, one of the books that we use in premarital counseling, uh, they actually, you know, go through and give some kind of concepts and, and ideas for laying out like a roadmap for expectations and i think we like we have notes somewhere because <laughs> we did do this mm -hmm. and i think it helped both of us because basically the setup is like this there's a statement and the statement's in the middle and on the left side and right side there's wife and husband and there's numbers uh you know one two three four five under husband one two three four five under wife and basically you circle um, if you strongly believe or strongly agree or strongly disagree, 
So a number one would be like, I strongly agree with this statement. Number five would be, I strongly disagree. And number three is not sure and mildly disagree and mildly agree, uh, two and four. But um, basically the, the, the general thought is that you go through this, you do it separately, and then you share the answers to each other. And the exercise actually reveals like how different or how similar your thoughts are. So like I wanted to kind of go through some just for, um, you know, the sake of maybe you have uh, an opportunity to sit down with your spouse or even someone you're talking to about marriage or or you're dating and you're kind of just trying to figure out, you know, what are some concepts that they have that maybe were similar or different on. But so, for example, the number one is this statement. The husband is the head of the home. So I would uh, put strongly agree i would put mildly agree (laughs) just kidding (laughs) i would put one (laughs) so and like the thing is i think in the beginning of our relationship excuse me in the beginning of our relationship i would have probably put two three ish mildly agree not sure well maybe not not sure but number two for sure sure the husband is the head of the home and you would have put number two. two and you would have said absolutely yes. Yeah, and, and I think the what that does, that see that even right there creates the conversation of what does that statement mean to me? The husband is ahead of the home. So for me, that means the husband is responsible for the home. Meaning I'm the one that needs to pray. I'm the one that needs to be reading my Bible. I think we both we both have the conviction that we should both be doing that equally. However, I, I believe that scripture teaches that the husband is the, the priest, like the, the head of the home. So we are responsible for leading our family into and in doing what the will of God is. Do, you know, whatever he's saying for us to do, it's, it's my job for us to lead into that direction. And, uh, and I accept the responsibility that if we don't go in the right direction, that's my fault. Like I don't turn around and say like, oh man, it's Vanessa's fault. So that for me, the husband is the head of the home. That's why I'm saying I strongly agree because I take on that responsibility. Now, that doesn't mean I control everything, right? Yeah, I think initially when I read that, I thought, like, he's not going to be my boss. <laughs> so I don't completely agree with that statement. But at the same time, I think I had to look at it from a biblical viewpoint, not really something that's worldly. And I think that's kind of where you also separate what you think in a worldly manner. So like things that you've learned from unsaved relationships you've seen, whether it's on screen or, you know, aunts and uncles that you have, maybe your parents were not Christian. So I think too, like a lot of these questions separate what is biblical and what is like worldly thinking. And so like the the way this is laid out is it, it it creates the conversation that there are things, there are uh, worldviews, there are mentalities, there are lenses, there are perspectives, there are things in which we view relationships, specifically those of the romantic kind. And those those elements add up because it's, it's like, you know, if you're walking in a straight line, two people are walking in a straight line, one takes one step slightly to the right and the other one keeps going straight in the beginning, you won't see much difference, but in the end, they will be two totally different paths. So the idea here is to get on the same page, to talk about 
what you disagree or agree on. As uh, much as you can. Oh, yeah, as much as you can, because they're... Yeah. You can't predict everything. Even in this case, like I wouldn't say, it's, you know, the marriage is not going to work just because you disagree on some of the things. I think the thought is bringing those things out in the open and then being able to discuss in a healthy way why you do or do not agree. Some things, you know, they're not detrimental to your relationship, like who's going to take out the trash. But when it comes to a question like who's the head of the home, I think at some point later down the road, if you one of them agrees, one of them to- uh, totally disagrees, Obviously, there's going to be some issues later on. So here's another one. The wife should not be employed outside the home. Now, I'll read a few, and and then we'll try to discuss a few. The husband should help regularly with household chores. It is all right for the wife to initiate lovemaking with her husband. That's what we would call a sexpectation. Love making. <laughs> <laughs> it is all right for the wife to initiate love making with her husband. Why did you read that one twice? It just I'm just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> the husband and wife should plan the budget and manage money matters together. Mm. Now this is an interesting one. I'll read the other one. The this next one. Neither the husband nor the wife should purchase an item costing more than one hundred dollars. Without consulting the other. Okay, so statistically, what I found in some of the research I did, I thought, I thought that the number one cause for divorce was infidelity. That's what I originally thought. I assumed that. And like my main, like every time, you know, I would think about like, oh, that marriage probably failed because of this, or, you know, whatever thought would be, it was strictly like, like, well, it's infidelity. That's like the end all for every relationship. The number one reason for divorce is money. So how? Mm-hmm. I think that's like, there's so many different ways. So Irresponsibility? If, irresponsibility, maybe, um, well, yeah, mismanaging. There's a, maybe secrecy. Even the questions mm-hmm. here of the, neither the husband nor the wife should purchase an item costing more than $100 without consulting the other. So like not having joint accounts. Yeah, like, like yeah, having separate accounts. I mean, I'm not saying that that's going to destroy your marriage, but I'm saying that statistically, it is not infidelity. It is money. It is issues with money that cause divorce. I always feel like what real, I mean, I don't know. If you guys do this, that's totally fine up to you. But I genuinely think like, what is the reason for a wife and a husband to not have a joint account. I well, I mean, okay. I don't know if there's a lot, a lot of legitimacy to the concerns, but maybe like, maybe someone grew up in a bad home, and they saw a marriage fail, and they felt like, you know, I need to be careful in case my marriage fails. And someone could say like, oh, well, that's them setting up their marriage for failure. But it's also like, but what if the husband then agreed with it and was like, you know what, I want you to feel secure so you can have your own account or the other way around, the wife was like, I want you to feel secure, so have your own account. So I don't know. Like, I don't know if there's I feel good like, reasons. Yeah, I feel <laughs> like it's like a just in case we don't make it or just in case this ends up horribly wrong, I want to make sure I'm taken care of. Which, I don't know. I, I mean, it's totally, if someone wants to do it, totally fine. I just always wonder, like, what other reasons are there besides fear if you're not going to have a joint account? Now, for me, and these two right here, the husband and wife should plan the budget and manage money matters together. I strongly agree. 
I do too. I think yeah. you should be aware of where your your money goes. Yeah. So, but that's that's something that I would say communicating about those those things are especially money is a big deal. Okay. So then uh, there there are three areas where uh, marriages struggle, or basically they have they have that place of I want to say where if they don't discuss it, it's assumed. And the assumption leads to a lot of discourse. So the three areas to examine are uh, money, um, your sex expectations, (laughs) (laughs) and children. So those three areas are big deals in the marriage. Uh, I would say that for us, and this is being a little bit transparent, like for me, I would say the thing that threw the biggest curveball for me was having our first son. Like, well, I mean, our, our, our son. So when we had our first child, that was a curveball for me. I felt like everything was fine. I felt like there was no big deals. I, like, I thought it was easy. I thought marriage was like fun, no problems. And then once the baby came, it was like, what the heck is going on? But I don't feel like it threw our marriage off. No, no, not it. It, I mean, it did at it, some point. Yeah, but it, not. like I would say this. It maybe not. Like you, I think were you became a mom, and so like there was an area for me that I was like, she's not a mom, she's my wife. Like, and I was oh, like, maybe for you then. It yeah, should. that's what I'm saying. Like that was the curveball for me. That was like a what the heck is going on, <laughs> and I think like, but the other two areas, it was it was nothing like crazy. Like there was no issues as far as i'm concerned and then uh yeah that's what i'm saying so for me like the curveball was was having our first child and i think like that was like you know obviously your everything changes your sleeping habits your your daily routine like everything changes and so um okay children are a big deal yeah i'm gonna read another one yeah Children develop better in a home with parents who are strict disciplinarians. Ooh. Um, I would say three. I'm not sure. About yeah, I, I think I was in the middle. I think even before we got married, because I felt like... I feel like I've seen children who had strict parents, and they were the worst. Yeah, I think they just got really good at being secretive. No, sometimes they weren't even secretive. Oh, From what I saw. Yeah, my experience was like, if it was strict disciplinarians, they were just like really good at hiding stuff. (laughs) I remember, uh, you know, when we were kids, I knew kids, you know, CD players. Remember, CDs were a thing, man. That's like, that's like old school now. With those big books to organize all the CDs? Yeah, so like, I remember um, we weren't allowed in like our circles and our friends to listen to secular music. It was like only Christian music. If it didn't, if you didn't buy it at the Christian bookstore, you were not allowed to listen to it. And so what my friend would do was he would, um, get a Christian CD (laughs) and put a secular CD under it and load it in his CD player. And then, you know, listen to the secular CD. And when his parents checked it, they would see the Christian CD on top. So that for me is what, and his parents were very strict. And that's like, when I think of strict disciplinarians, I think of like how you're inventive (laughs) to find a way to, yeah, to find a way to make it happen. So yeah. All right. Okay. Next one. 
The wife is just as responsible for the children's discipline as the husband. I, I, yeah, I agree. Not strongly, but I agree. Number two, I think I would pick two. I think I'm. No, I, I strongly agree with that. Because I think the problem is the kids don't respect the mom. Oftentimes, mm-hmm. because it's like, wait till your dad gets home. Which I strongly agree. You strongly agree. I do. I think the mother uh, should be able to, even if it's not the same type of discipline, I think the mother should have a way to be able to discipline her children, whether the father's around or not. So like, you know, I may not do like no TV for a week, but if my kids get in trouble with me they're still going to get disciplined in some way or another. Maybe if their dad's around, he'll take away certain toys or he'll, um, you know, we'll cancel fun plans. Um, but in any case, I think the wife, yes, is just as responsible for the children's discipline as the husband. Yeah. Okay, this one. The husband should take his wife out somewhere twice a month. I strongly agree. However. Yeah, however, I feel like, man... Okay, so one of the things that I think was difficult, and, and again, I think it, it is the curveball with the kids, because like we don't, we do and we don't like, but before we definitely did not have access to family members, and meaning we couldn't call a family member and be like, hey, uh, you know, would you guys mind watching the kids for this evening so we go out, um, and on top of that, the people that were around us, like they were young themselves. So it was very difficult to like present that idea, and then. But even then, I feel like there, are, there were a handful of people that I would have felt comfortable. No, we did. I think we did it maybe once or twice. I don't even remember. Like living in Europe, we yeah. didn't have a lot of family to choose from, so it was always like friends from church, mostly. But the hard part is that I think. We just got used to being out with our son. Because at the time, yeah. it was only him. Yeah. So we just planned things to do with our son. And obviously, it's totally different when you don't have your kids with you. But for the sake of our peace of mind, we just always brought him with us. So even now, coming back and living here in the States, um, we kind of has started... Well, we started doing the same thing. Obviously, with the pandemic, there's not there wasn't much going on anyway. So we would do like family trips to the park or whatever. So... The thought of someone watching our kids, we've probably been away from them once or twice altogether. Since we've been back, you mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, it's been very rare. But but I would say that like I strongly agree that you should go out on dates. And I, and we have. We've done that as much as possible, but it is rare. And I think like that's just Yeah, and then twice a month also life. is dependent on finances. Because if yeah. you're gonna go out, obviously you can go out and do things for free, but I think the expectation of if you're taking me out, yeah. you're taking me out. Yeah. My expectation is not going to be, I don't want to go walk in the park. I want to go eat something that I'm not cooking. I want to, you know, I don't know, go look at shops and not worry about the kids breaking something like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just being out in public. <laughs> yeah. Like trying thing, eating food while it's hot. Like the last date we went on, we, we, we went to Shake Shack for the, for me for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, that was fun. 
it was fun and I got to eat with you <laughs> and not like after you or before you because we're taking turns managing the kids and who was with her kids at that time? Your mom. Yeah, okay. So yeah, I, I do agree, but like like I threw in the however. Okay. I'm gonna give you one more. Okay. The wife should always be the one to cook. Oh, okay. So I'm gonna say number two. That I, yeah, I, I kind of just, I agree with that because, um, and, and I think, I think things have changed for us. However, when we, when we first, I think when we did this, cause we did do this, I wish we could find the notes. It'd be so awesome. But, um, I think when we initially, you know, looked at everything that I think we both agreed on that. However, like our lifestyle has changed. So I, I don't think it's as possible, but... Um, well, I mean, we went from you... I mean, being missionaries, but me, I was able to be home, like, all day, every... Yeah. All day. I had time to plan out the meals, but now that I'm working full-time... Yeah. Coming home at 5. I mean, I walk, like, 10 feet, but still, coming home <laughs> at 5, I do still feel like, man, like, I don't have time to plan certain things or may you know the chicken went bad again because I defrosted it and totally forgot about it and it's difficult so I think the expectation I'm assuming the expectation has dropped a little simply because I think Gabriel's aware that things have changed yeah yeah so there goes the expectation of me cooking every single time because it's a lot to cook in the I mean I don't cook in the morning and for lunch i it's mostly sandwiches because it's quick and easy or leftovers. But to be the one that always cooks, I mean, what was the last time you cooked? Wow. For us. I think as I a made chicken. When? At least half a year. So for half a year, you haven't cooked for our family. Maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe no, I that think one. that's about right. Is that right? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm trying to think. What was the last? No, like you've done eggs here and there. Like. <laughs> eggs oh i know it was for my birthday you made breakfast okay with Eastside. okay yeah so i think where are you at what number are you in there i'm pretty much on the lot though there's one more you're like a strongly disagree though <laughs> number four or five i'm like a two two three okay two three ish like i think i should be the main one but mm-hmm. i don't think i should be the only one so then, so then, so you don't two, agree. It's two with and a half. It's like a two and a half because I <laughs> should, but I can't always. So yeah, or I don't want to. Okay, so and and I think that's a great example of like how this, like the preparation stuff, mm-hmm. kind of sets you up to have the conversation, but is not the complete answer because yeah. things shift. Yeah, and I think that's important too. Like, it's a good way to start off just to kind of get those questions out there and then discuss them. But at the same time, I think when you do exercises like this, um, they're helpful. They're very helpful. Even now, I think for the most part, we've been married for 11 years and I think we're pretty much going to agree the same way with every every uh, question. Whereas in the beginning, we were probably a little bit off the chart. You know, we didn't really have the same answers. And there's a lot of different exercises like this. And I, I really do recommend that if you're engaged, 
that you would consider finding a good premarital counselor. I think for us, they asked us questions that totally shocked me um, (laughs) because a lot of them are very personal and intimate. However, really, who else is going to ask their own questions? Like, and not only that, they brought up questions that I think we were maybe fearful to ask ourselves because... And and the good thing, I think, too, is they weren't family. They were not family. They weren't related to us at all. Which is a big deal. And they had a good marriage. They had a good reputation. We knew their family, so... We felt very comfortable sharing with them things that, you know, we genuinely wanted to know about. I remember, you know, with us going into missions right away, soon after we got married, she asked the question, like, what if Vanessa didn't want to? What if she got there and realized, I don't want to be a missionary? And I was like, whoa, like, that's kind of like a deep question. But they were, I mean, they did it in a way that was so, we're just trying to help you. We're just trying to cover some basics before you guys, you know, make this move. Because I think... At any point, at any point, if you're engaged and you start to realize this is not going to work yeah. or we're, we need to totally slow it down, I, I mean, do it. Because the worst thing is rushing into something just because you don't want to offend your fiance. Like, oh, I'm afraid to say I'm not ready for it. And you get in too deep and then you're married and you're like still unsure <laughs> of things. So I think that's what the premarital counseling does. Like it really does bring up questions that maybe you should take your time. Maybe you do need to wait. Maybe there are some things that you do need to work out because the premarital counseling, if they're good, hopefully they're good. um, They'll bring things to light that maybe you're afraid to bring out yourselves or that they notice that you don't even know what, you know, you don't even recognize. Yeah. Yeah. What's one more? Let's, let's do one One more. more. The husband's responsibility is to his job, and the wife's responsibility is to the home and children. Oh, wow, yeah. That's a big deal. Actually, um, I know that there's some leaders in some of the churches that we were part of uh, here in the States that some leaders were 100% against women working, women in the workplace. Like Like mothers? Yeah, like it was it was literally like the the wife, her job is to be at home. Which honestly, I think in the beginning, I would have strongly agreed with mm-hmm. that as a mom. I think most, I think a lot of moms would love to be home with their kids all day, every day, as much as they can. Because when you're on the flip side and you're away from the home and you're missing things with your kids... It's difficult because you do feel like I'm the one that should be there. However, I think when you have a good relationship, when your marriage is good and your husband is on board and you're both totally in a split and you know in a place where it might work out differently, like right now because of the pandemic, I am still working full time and thankfully Gabriel is able to be home with the kids because yeah. his job slowed down a lot. And I'm grateful that we have this season of kind of being in reverse roles, which I never, 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 never thought would happen. I think overall, like in managing expectations, you should really discover the root of them. Where do you identify your expectations from? I think for me, if you're a Christian, you need to reference scripture. You need to look into scripture and ask yourself, like my expectation of a wife, where does that come from? And then identify scripture to point out, to say, like, 
this is what I think a good wife is. On the other end, the you know the the wife, or if you're in a relationship, you look at a man from a woman's perspective. You look at a man with a biblical perspective, with a biblical lens, to say like a good man is this identified in these ways: the fruits of the spirit versus the fruits of the flesh. Are they angry? Are they jealous? You know, then are they reflecting more, uh, you know, fruits of the flesh? Like where it's like, man, like everything the Bible lists, that's what they are in the sense of being like, you know, they're very fleshly, very carnal. Or is it like, man, like they're really patient, like or, um, you know, they have they have a sense of just like peace or joy or, you know, there's there's that reality of the the Holy Spirit working in them. And it's and it's expressed uh, in the areas of their life so and in all those areas one of the big deals is to manage expectations in a healthy way that comes from a biblical perspective a lot of disagreements happen when your expectations change and you don't realize it or you don't talk about it so the most consistent thing is basing your expectations off scripture because even then you know your lifestyle will change pandemic will happen all of a sudden and everybody's world gets flipped upside down or you know you have kids you have an um you have to move away from family or you move in with family Uh, there's just so many things that constantly change and shift in your world and the the wisest thing to do is base your marriage base your expectations off what's the most consistent and what's not going to change and we know that that's scripture. That's what God says. Oh, marriage is going to look like a wife is going to be what physical, you know, things that you need to make sure that you're consistent with. So there's just a lot of different things that will always shift over time. But of course, like as Christians, we believe the Bible is the same and it's, there's nothing in there that's going to shift with the time. Yeah. And then, um, I think overall the, the relationship that is healthy is biblically centered and the areas that you'll find a lot of like conflict and like just disagreement in usually stem from a worldview or something we picked up from either our cultural setting or our home setting, like with our family and stuff. And if you define it biblically and you allow Jesus to be the center it allows discussion and allows peace in the home because Christ is king and he reigns versus your culture or your your worldview. <laughs> um, I would say if there's anything I would suggest, even for myself, I grew up in a Christian home. My my parents taught me, you know, um, a lot of things. They There was a great marriage from them that I saw at home. So I was influenced by a lot of the things they did. But there are some things that I didn't pick up that I didn't like that I felt like, oh, I'm not going to do that. Like, I don't even do that with my wife. And um, in the same way, like there are some good things uh, Vanessa saw and some things that, that she picked up and other negative things. And I think we were both able to discuss in a way that says, like, who are we moving forward? Not who are my parents? And if you don't do what my like what I saw my mom do for my dad, you're not a good wife. Like, that was never a definition, right? Yeah, and I think also, um, yeah, I never felt like I was being compared to any other relationship. Um, 
I mean, I think once in our marriage, Gobble did compare me in that really, like, that was... <laughs> to my mom? No, not to your mom. Just, like... To, to another marriage? To, yeah. Okay, I don't remember this, so don't bring it up. Don't, no, don't, I'm not don't gonna, say No, it. I'm not going to. But um, I was pregnant at the time, too. What the heck? Or was it... It was right after the baby. It was somewhere around that time frame. Um, but thankfully, that got worked out very quickly. But in the end, I think... The scary thing is realizing that some of those expectations do fall on you to change. And you have to be mature enough to really think like, okay, this is me. It's my expectation. Or I'm the standards too high. Or I am comparing them to somebody else. That's a difficult thing. Like it really is. uh, It feels very like you can feel very offended when you're confronted with the thought of you're not meeting my expectations. Yeah. Yeah, you can feel And that's another thing that I, you know, like I'm saying, but like I said before, if you're, if you're engaged and you're going through premarital counseling and these red flags pop up and maybe the red flag is you, like you're not ready, you're not ready for a commitment like this, or you're unsure, or there are certain things in your walk that are not healthy, that cannot maintain a healthy relationship if you keep going in that direction. Yeah. Like, and I think one of the big things is, um, we were around a lot of ministries. We were around a lot of uh, church planters, a lot of pastors. And I remember a discussion from one couple before they got married when the husband was like, yeah, I really feel called to go do this ministry. And it was in a different state. It wasn't even a different country. It was a different state. And the, the fiance at the time was like, heck no, I'm not going. And he was like, it, it wasn't like, it was kind of dismissed. And then <laughs> they got married and... They didn't go. And I remember talking to the husband. He felt so frustrated and disappointed. And like my wife, you know, she's holding me back. And I was thinking like, she told you before you got married, she wasn't going to go. This isn't her fault. This is your fault. You can't blame her when she told you she's not going before you got married. And then you say like, oh, this is God's will. Well, you married this girl who told you from the beginning, I'm not leaving. And I think that's part of managing expectations. You can't expect someone to do something that they're telling you they're not going to do. Yeah, and the expectation of you need to change once we get married because we're only dating right now. We're only engaged right now. Once we get married, everything will change. Which is not true. Absolutely not true. So. Like I said before, when you do spot the red flags, I mean, 100% yield, slow down, be very honest and open with each other because we've seen people marry and have a horrible, you know, awkward relationship where there's just constant tension. And it's, I mean, you don't have to live like that. You don't have to live the rest of your life like that. And then eventually when things get too bad, you know, you divorce, you go your separate ways. And the worst thing is if you... You end up having kids and then later on, you know, you divorce and then you're stuck between where the kid's going to go and how are we going to split this up. Obviously, God will make things work if you just ask for grace and mercy and all that. But in the end, you can avoid. Yeah, you can avoid that whole scenario if you really are patient and you take time to really learn the person that you're with. I'm not saying take five years of being engaged. I'm saying find counsel find good friends friends that you both can share that you have in common 
and be open to what God has for you guys, you know, praying together and making sure that your relationship stays holy because that's another big thing before you get married. Um, a lot of people probably disagree with that. If you're not Christian, I think you probably disagree with that. But I think as a Christian, we know that, you know, not giving into the flesh, uh, you know, you don't want that kind of sin to be in your relationship before you even get married. Yeah. I think uh, in like, because this is a pretty, like we said at the beginning, big subject, but the idea of relationships and managing expectations, um, again, find the root of it. Look to see why you are expecting it. Ask yourself, is that realistic? To the guys, I would say, ask yourself if what you're expecting of your future wife or you know the girl you're dating, what you're expecting of her is the equivalent of what she can expect of you. And if that is if that is okay, like, and you feel like, you know what, if if I'm expecting her to have a hot cooked meal every day, then you know the equivalent expectation could be like she expects you to never not like to never be fired from a job or never not have a job. And it's something like it's it's kind of like an equivalent expectation, which is like you you must be in your role all the time. Then you must be in your role all the time. So that's something to just think about, um, pray about, and I think to leave you guys with just a good exercise is to write down um, some expectations. Even if you're single, if you're listening to this and you're single, write down some expectations. Like where you're looking at somebody that maybe you're going to meet somebody or maybe you're talking to some of your friends and um, it could lead into something else. But at least you have an awareness of what you're expecting. And if you're in a, in a deeper relationship, romantic relationship or you're engaged, or even if you're married now, writing down your expectations separately and then sharing them with each other is a good thing mm-hmm. because, and you might feel like, like Vanessa said, you'll feel offended when they write something down and you feel like you're not meeting it. Yeah. Cause it's like, well, who do you think you're married to? And I don't, you know, I don't like to cook all the time. I mean, like, and that's the thing is like you have to be open to hear from your spouse or from your significant other if you're engaged that there are some things they might want as an expectation. They would like for you to do something. And then you kind of go from there. That's what learning, you know, that's why communication is such a big deal because through communication is that you figure out what the other person likes or dislikes. Yeah. So write down some expectations. Um, do like five. Yeah, maybe like five, and then and then share it with each other, and and see how uh, it opens up conversation. Do it as as healthy as it. Do it as long as it's healthy. <laughs> like you know what I mean. Don't don't throw stuff. Don't use it to write stuff about each other. <laughs> use it as a healthy exercise to build your relationship. So yeah, thank you guys for listening. We'll be back next week uh, with some more, uh, specifically in the area of relationships again. And we're looking to have some guests on, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll keep you guys updated on everything and we'll be back again next Tuesday.